The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. You're listening to the Ricky and Claude Wrestling Show. Listener discretion is advised at all times. Once again, for downloading and listening to another episode of the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show, part of the Social Suplex Podcast Network. If you haven't done so already, please go over to the podcast app that you use. Give us a nice, juicy five-star rating. Help out the algorithms and get us shooting up the charts. Good evening. My name is Clive, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ricky. How are you tonight, Ricky? I'm doing very well. Yourself? I'm all right. I actually had quite a decent intro for a change. (laughs) We got it in the first time. Uh huh. And that's friend, what friend, friend, co-host, and friend. That's what we are. We're not just co-hosts. We are bays as well. Okay. Okay. So the topic of t- <laughs> <laughs> the topic of tonight's show will be basically a preview and predictions of Money in the Bank, the upcoming pay-per-view for the WWE Network on Sunday in Chicago. Obviously, this is quite a busy few days coming up for WWE. You've got the WWE UK division special Monday and Tuesday nights. And there's also NXT TakeOver, but we have covered them recently. So if you've missed them, go back onto your podcast app. Just rewind back the way. Or I'll I'll put some links in the show notes for you or something like that. If you fancy listening to them again or for the first time. But this will be all about Money in the Bank preview. So, anything you want to bring up beforehand, before we get into the meat of the matter? How did you, um, did you watch any of Dominion? Yeah, yeah I did. Um, I, it was, oh, it was, it was, it was, it was decent, it was a decent wrestling show, eh? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it was, I think, so, the beauty of not being a diehard New Japan fan, we both uh, both admit that ourselves. We're casual fans where we watch certain matches or certain shows. <clears> so the beauty the beauty of sometimes going into watching a New Japan show is that we just get to sort of enjoy wrestling and we don't worry about booking and bad booking and who should go over and all that other stuff. And that's the that's the mentality I've still had for a while now. And so you get to go in um, and watching it on Saturday morning for us over here. And you just sort of appreciate in-ring wrestling. Um, Omega and Akada has been called the best wrestling match ever by a number of people. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with that statement, but I think I can understand why people might think that. Uh, number two was still my favourite out of that feud, but mm-hmm. the the last fall from Saturday there was probably my favourite sort of like. 10 minutes or so I think the last year was it 10, 15 minutes something like that maybe not as much as 15 was probably my favourite part of the entire feud I absolutely loved that last fall um, like I say the match itself I still personally believe number two is better 
but again, I'm, you can be sort of nitpicking. And like I said, if someone wants to turn around and tell me, no, this match here was the best of the lot and it's the greatest wrestling match ever, I may not agree, but you, I won't sit here and debate you all night long. I think, for me, Undertaker Shawn Michaels is still the greatest wrestling match I saw because from my own personal point of view, is that I was emotionally invested in the build yeah. and the match and the aftermath. And I think that's what's potentially swaying me towards saying that's the greatest match I've seen because I was so emotionally invested in it. When it comes to what we watched on Saturday, you just got to you just got to watch what was happening in the ring as opposed to being so emotionally involved. Yeah, um, but yeah, overall, um, that match was excellent. Really, really, really good. That's probably how a lot of folk have been saying that this is the best match they've seen because they are, like you and myself, have been with Undertaker versus Michaels. They have that emotional attachment. They've been watching all the... the Being the Elite YouTube shows. They've been watching all the press conferences. They've, they are sort of die-hard New Japan fans, so it is a big deal for them. Obviously, as well, when you have Kenny Omega being vindicated or validated... Sorry for all the hard work that he's put in over the last few years. It was an emotional release at the end. And I think he said in his press conference after it that the previous matches he'd been going into them with hate at the forefront of his heart. And he wasn't able to beat Okada when all was said and done. But this time he was surrounded by his friends, Ibushi and the Young Bucks. So he was surrounded by love, and that's what sort of helped conquer Okada. And I like that when you look back retrospectively at the match, you can see that there was a different emotion coming through Omega, and I like that. One of the other things I did really enjoy was over the last few months, Okada started to, the cracks have started to show, and he's not as pol- no, I wouldn't say polished, that's not the right word. He's started to show cracks that, and that he's starting to fear for his reign. Chinks in the armour. Aye, chinks in the armour, so to speak. Um, and that came to the fore in this match because Omega knew what was going on with the Rainmaker and he countered it more often than I've seen before with the German suplexes, the just general ducking out the way in the blocks. So when they won the first fall with a matchbook, like a matchbook folding pin, that to me said he was running out of ideas, so he had to go for not necessarily a cheap pin, but a sort of thinking man's pin. And the fact that he tried it again at some point to secure a number two, I really liked that. Just sort of simple storytelling where he's he's struggling here, so he has to resort to the, something that he thought worked in the first place. So those are the small sort of things I did enjoy. Like you said, that. It wasn't my favourite of the series. Again, number two. Just everything going into that. There was such a build going in. With Cody as well, threatening to throw in the towel. The sort of single moment where Omega just collapsed and ducked out of a rainmaker. That, sorry to cut you off, but I understand. I know there's a couple of moments in the first and etc. match in the last match that we've saw, but that is, for me, the sort of like, that's like the iconic moment, the, the moment when I think back on Omega Okada. I just can't, I can't get that image out of my head where Okada goes for a rainmaker and Omega sort of like collapses just to sort of exhaustion. He's just so beat up. But the great thing about it was it looked, it looked so realistic because he's and he's Okada's barely missed the rainmaker, but then Okada sort of like goes tumbling to the other side of the ring, 
So that moment there, just I thought that's the one thing. If someone asked me what was it, not so much the greatest, but what's what sticks out, I think that straight away pops out straight away. I just when I when I remember when I saw it, I just sort of I lost my mind. It was mm-hmm. unbelievable. The other top build matches of the night. I, I did enjoy the start of the Jericho match. Well, not the start, the before of the Jericho match with Naito, where they just attacked him, power bombed him through the table, DDT through another table. Um, it got the tone off to a right good start. Typical Jericho's New Japan character, where he's just a nasty piece of shit, willing to just get under the skin of his opponent, do anything it takes, just be an all-round prick, basically. Uh, but I did prefer the Omega match. I also preferred the Osprey... Hiromu Takahashi. Takahashi match that they had. I think it was from the anniversary, like New Japan anniversary show, maybe March, March or this, mm-hmm. something like that. So again, people have probably got more of an emotional attachment to New Japan than us. So I can, if they want to say it's their favourite ever pay per view, by all means go ahead. But I just personally preferred other matches that I've seen from the company in the last year or so. Yeah, I'm I'm the same, and like I say, I can't. I can't remember if I said it on this on our show or I said it on the Outsiders Edge where I said I, I won't ever say anything negative or attack New Japan in terms of what they're producing product wise and ring stuff because I'm not I don't follow it enough to form such an opinion I can just look at individual matches and what I like and what I don't like mm-hmm. and to be honest I do completely agree with you um, but you know like, like this, we're not we're not New Japan um hardcore fans so but you can download Keeping It Strong Style on the Social Suplex Network oh. and Jeremy and Josh they they had a show released was it Monday I think they released their show I listened to it on Tuesday I think um, or yesterday so it was a real good listen and if you really want to know more about Dominion and New Japan you should definitely download that that was such a seamless plug it was Jeremy and Josh they are other version of J&J Security Uh, I don't know where to go from that. No idea. Let's just end the podcast on that note. Uh, you can't top that for humour. That was top notch. Um, Thanks. The, another thing, I've not got much input here, but I know you're wanting to talk about a certain chick magnet punk. Um, <laughs> he had a busy news week, safe to say, in the last 10, 7, 10 days. It was obviously the trial and uh, his UFC defeat. So UFC... It's something I don't, I've used this joke before, but I don't really know how to even spell it. So I'm going to leave the punk loss to you to talk about. The first thing coming from the trial, it, to me, it's now. He, I know he's been on record saying he hates wrestling. He can only watch because he said something. He can only watch like eight seconds of wrestling before he feels he need to turn the turn the uh, change the channel. Uh, even if he doesn't come out with these statements. He's never coming back to the WWE, I don't think. If anyone had any sort of hope, and I did, I had like small hope, and I was hoping he would come back to the WWE at some point. I don't see him coming back at all now. The only way I see him coming back is in many, many years down the line, if they ever give him a Hall of Fame induction. Thing, I don't see him going back at whatsoever. Um, moving on to his UFC fight, like he showed slight improvements from the first fight to the second fight, but I think... The improvements were both 
he improved himself, but also his the quality of opponent wasn't as strong as the first time around. Um, it will, you know, he, he Punk could have been finished at any point, but you know, we might we could just slip in my mind who's fighting now just didn't want to do it. And the second round, we caught Punk, and Punk his entire body seemed to stiffen up. And at that point, he could have been finished, but. But like I give him, I give him, I tip my hat off him for having the balls to get into the octagon because you need massive, massive balls, massive cojones to get into an octagon or in the boxing ring because legitimately one punch can kill you or give you life altering injuries. But you know, if Dana White wants to give me two million to step foot in the octagon with Stipe Miocic, I'll happily do that. You know, so I don't want to go overboard with the whole. He took a chance, and if it, if legitimately, if it was your dream, and I don't want to bash the guy right, because you know, I'm of the last sort of ten, fifteen years, twenty years, Punk's been my favourite, and he's one of my top three to five wrestlers of all time, like in terms of favouritism. So you know, I'm such a CM Punk mark. So it pained me to see him getting beat up like that because I really wanted to win just because of how much of a fan of his wrestling I was, but. The, the one thing you find you can praise him for having the balls to get into the ring but it's so ironic he's it's very hypocritical it's pot kettle black that he went on to a UFC card co-main evented in his debut debut MMA fight it wasn't even he didn't have any amateur fights he made his professional debut on I can't remember what UFC but in Cleveland he co-main evented that spot was given to him because of his name and his popularity and how much money that would generate and the same again here he was put on it because it was in Chicago and he would pull in audience and he would bring in money and it's like the same things you complained about Rock and other part timers and celebrities taking spots at Wrestlemania you've just done to other people and he tweeted out saying something like I didn't ask Dana White for this uh, yeah you didn't ask Dana White but if you're a man of your word and you're a man of integrity I suppose you'd have said to Dana White no put me on the prelims or you'd have gone to Bellator and worked your way up. So I don't buy this sort of, it was his dream. If it was your dream, you would have quit wrestling 10 years ago and done it when you were 29 years old, not 39. But, but I'm a huge, huge fan of him. And like I said, I really want him to do well and I want him to do well in the future. But that is just pot kettle black that he took a spot. When Alistair Overeem, one of the greatest heavyweights ever was on the undercard and he took a shot. He was on the main card because of his name and and how much money he would bring. And end of the day, it's a business. And for him to sit and complain about the rock and Cena going on at WrestleMania and not him, it's like, I'm sorry, that's a dream match and probably brought in one of the, if not the biggest, uh, generating most money ever. It's certainly right up there. So Paul Kettle Black springs to mind there. See it with the whole trial result. A lot of people have rejoiced at him winning, him and Colt Cabana winning. Mm-hmm. Fair enough, but am I right? I want to make sure this is confirmed before I say it. Did he say at the trial that he may have sort of exaggerated what the stories about the doctor? Or what was it he exaggerated again? Yeah, uh, I, I know what you're talking about. It was in the notes that I read, and he did, did admit to that. So. Like I don't take any like personal like satisfaction that he win or if they were WWE win, I wouldn't have taken any satisfaction in that because for me it was just of please be as painless as possible so your return to the WWE is still possible. 
that that was my whole thinking going into the trial. Like when I was seeing things, I was like, "Oh, please, just please stop! Like, please stop dragging each other through the mud. Just just come out clean as you can and just get this man fucking back to the WWE." Well, you never know because if he said at that trial that he may have sort of bent the truth with it with the doctor stories. What else has he bent the truth about? I'm not trying to start off a, a new argument here, saying Punk's a liar, but he said a lot of incendiary comments on those podcasts. How much of them were 100% true? And the stuff that he said, although it was already in the making, it was sort of simmering away. He said he started, started a hive mentality with uh, the anti-Roman reign stuff, and certain people not getting pushed and it was WWE fans took it into themselves to make sure that those people did get pushed so again it's not he's not responsible for everything the whole WWE fan mindset right now but it's just I'm not sure whatever he says I would like to take with a pinch of salt these days I I know what you mean and the whole anti-WWE thing is that's going on it works both ways you know like WWE does some good things but does some real head scratching things and obviously we're not fully involved or like immersed in a New Japan product but they'll do great things but at the same time they'll do things that are like, like why he's doing that it's just every company does good things and bad things and it's just it's not to everyone's taste and you know there's just too much too much bashing going on from either side I know like too much anti-WWE stuff and too much oh my god, New Japan are not doing this, or, or you you watch New Japan because you think you're cool, and it's like, just enough from both sides. It's It's gotten to the point where it's just extremely boring, and it's it, it, it starts to affect your mind, because you're constantly surrounded by negativity, and you can't help but sucked into it, and it's like, let people enjoy what they want to enjoy, and just enjoy it rather than bashing one company or another company. It's just enjoy what you like. Uh-huh. It's frustrating, but it's just the world we live in, I suppose. Well, we're here to right those wrongs and bring everyone together and talk about the best built to pay per view of all time. <laughs> so, right, there's a sort of divided opinion in this one. Me, my opinion is divided, but I'll ask for you first. Overall, what would you say has been built well? for money in the bank and what has not been built well right right okay I'll break it down I'll just I'll quickly say what I think has been booked well Seth and Elias have just sort of come about in the last couple of weeks but uh, I'm looking forward to that Nia Jax and Ronda um at one point, I thought Naya was a heel, and then I don't know. Now I don't know. I, I quite, I quite, I've, I've, I, I haven't. I think that build's been okay. Um, Roman and gender. That is what it sort of is. Sammy and Bobby Lashley. The less, the less said about that build, the better. Awesome. I can't. I honestly can't say one good thing about it. The only good thing I can say about it is I think the match will be good, though. Um, raw SmackDown tag titles. You know, the fact the fact that they put that to the pre-show probably tells you what, what you should think about it. The raw tag titles. Um, 
so we had the first sort of interaction between the B team and Bray and Matt there, and I quite liked it. I'm, I don't know why, but I'm really looking forward to Bray and Bo Dallas facing off. Yes, just for because just to see what it would be like. Exactly, because it, like we all know they're brothers, and and when they're face to face, it's like they know they're brothers. But like, if you understand what I'm saying, like in terms of they're, they're playing a character. But these characters know these characters know that in real life they are real life brothers, and I don't. I just it's something that is really appealing to me just to see that little face off. <sighs> AJ Naka, I've been all right with that. Mm-hmm. Um, now both money in the banks. I will let you go on, but because I want to, add, I I've got something I want to say, but. The money in the bank is the issue you have is that it seems to be the same build every year for a money in the bank or a Royal Rumble or an Elimination Chamber. Well, so that can't be helped, though. That's that's what I'm going to say. So I'm going to piggyback. I was listening to One Nation Live on Sunday. Rich, I think someone asked him about it, and he was talking about the women specifically. And he says that this is why you're getting uh, Becky Lynch and Charlotte on TV and just counting. If it's not that, it's going to be singles matches with people in the match, or it's going to be tag matches, etc. And to piggyback off that, is it like they sort of book themselves into a corner in doing that? So I agree with I, I completely agree with what Rich said as well. It's just that I, there, there might be another way to go about doing it. I don't know if this is even a good idea if you've done like a qualifying match to get into the qualifying match for the Money in the Bank, almost like a tournament style thing, where it starts off a lot bigger and almost as if you would say, imagine it being like the quarter-final stages of a tournament. You have a match, you advance to the semi-finals, and you would have four semi-finals, for instance, and the four winners enter the final, being the Money in the Bank match. Um, that's, like I say, that's the problem you face when you're going into a pay-per-view like Money in the Bank, or you're going into like a triple threat, or you're going into a fatal four-way. We generally do build it. We'll have singles matches or tag matches all the time, and that's what they seem to be, they seem to do. I just I think if we can maybe maybe change that a little, I would be all in for the for the tournament style thing I've just pitched there. But if there's any other ideas, then I'm all ears. But I don't know. I like years ago for people there was a chamber match announced. Like I'm talking mid early to mid two thousands, and the way people they had quali- not qualifying matches, but each of the six participants would have a match on over a couple of rows and they basically the quicker that you won your match the little sort of let's say Batista won his match in two minutes he would come out of the pod last and say Jericho took 15, mm-hmm. 16 minutes to win he would be one of the first two fighting so mm-hmm. I know that would be hard to transfer over to a Money in the Bank match because they're all in it at the same time because if you start breaking down times that people can come in, it starts turning into a King of the Mountain match. You don't want that. Yeah, um, yeah and also, and it's like, technically the match could end before all participants have entered the ring. Uh-huh. As well, so... Uh, I mean, I know where you're coming from, and there's qualifiers. It's never going to be perfect. At the end of the day, WWE's management have picked who they want to ha- have in the matches. Maybe if it was some sort of, I don't know. I've not got an answer for you. I'm sorry. 
but like I said, that's just a problem they face when you go into whether it's a fatal four way or, or more. That they do seem to run that all the time a lot, more or less all the time. We'll do tag matches, then we'll change it up next week, or we'll have a, a singles matches between two of them one week and then the other two the following week. Even if you found a format to might to potentially prolong the the um, finalisation of who's going to be in the Money in the Bank, if you because we've known about the participants for what now is it three weeks, four weeks maybe at least. Uh huh. So even if you extended that for another two weeks, and then you've only got two weeks where you need to then say, right, well, one week we can go tag matches or singles matches, and then the week after we can do a fatal four-way. And you give us a couple of good matches, and it doesn't seem like it's repetitive. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm all in. I love to see sometimes, I love sometimes seeing like a Charlotte and Becky Lynch on a SmackDown. Because sometimes you just need to do that, because otherwise... How else are you going to fill that time? You're going to do promos, constantly people talking or what? So, but that match, something like that match, is like a paper versus like a SummerSlam type match. That one. Um, but like I say, it's just it's kind of it's just how how it plays out. It's just the way they book themselves. Um, but like I say, it'd be nice if they found a solution to that. And I think, like I say, if you just if you prolong the qualifying matches or qualifying stages, at least you might get three or four weeks in a row on Raw and SmackDown where you get some real good wrestling matches uh-huh. and then the build two weeks build to Money in the Bank is fine um, and then take it from there because you could what you could also do for instance if you had Seth Rollins going qualifying one it beats Elias the first week and then the second week he needs to qualify to get into the Money in the Bank but Elias could come down and cost him it and there you take that storyline and you turn it into a title match for instance uh-huh. so you can get storylines coming from like several different qualifying matches um, but like I say it's, it's not the first time we've done it and it's not going to be the last time I think the matches itself I think they'll be good I feel I feel confident about that um, the Money in the Bank matches specifically uh-huh. but like I say it's, it's, it, that's, just the, that's just how it kind of plays out when they've got these multi-man multi-women matches coming up they feel that they've just sort of like they get, let's say, to give you singles matches and tag matches one week and then they flip it around the other week. Which they've, they did on a couple of occasions this week. The 10 women tag match to end SmackDown yeah. this week was not too bad at all. The fatal four way that the women had on Raw the night before, I really enjoyed that actually. Mm-hmm. Um, Ember Moon, Sasha nearly killed herself, and then Ember Moon nearly killed her. With that yep. Tope Suicida through onto the barrier. Oof. The, the great thing about that was it looked so violent, which made it look so realistic as well. Um, unbelievable, unbelievable. Um, that that when it, so when when you watch the Fatal Four Way for the women there, you just sort of you feel that gives you good, good, good vibrations, good feelings going into Sunday that the women are going to do well. I actually think all the women will have a good night. Um, well, not all of them, obviously, kayfabe-wise, but I think it'll be a good showcase. And I will touch on that in a few minutes, but I just want to touch on the overall feeling for Money in the Bank. For me, personally, it's sandwiched in between two shows that I'm looking forward to more, with NXT and the uh, UK stuff. I think, but at the end of the day, it's still Money in the Bank. It's becoming the unofficial Big Fifth pay-per-view of the year. And even though, it, with it being the unofficial Big Fifth, it's not exactly a dream card. 
that you would associate with one of the big four. But at the same time, I'm sort of quietly happy that they are making use of the roster. That has helped by the fact that a lot of your main event higher mid-card guys are in the, and girls are in the ladder matches, so fair enough. But they are making use of the roster and they're not succumbing to the this is a massive pay-per-view, we have to have the biggest matches ever because it's still only the, the fifth most important pay-per-view of the year. You st- still save those dream matches for your SummerSlams, your WrestleManias, your Royal Rumbles and the likes. So it's a strange one because, I mean, I'm saying that, that they're using a lot of the roster, but some of the matches I'm just not happy with at all because you've got the likes of, personally, Ronda Rousey, Nia Jax, it could, I think it might be awful. The the the, the quality the of match. The match. Uh-huh. I think Stephanie McMahon's going to get involved. Well, I've got a few scenarios, right? Go ahead. For all the women's matches in general, so try and follow my train of thought if you can. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. option one, we have discussed this before. It might have been on Outsiders Edge actually when we were on that. Natalia might win. And she might cash in on Ronda on the night. She's been saying, making out that they are both BFFs and she keeps saying that I'm going to win Money in the Bank because I, I'm friends with Ronda Rousey, which is a bizarre reason for thinking you're going to win. So obviously this all depends on match order as well. I think one of the title matches, women's title matches, will take place before the women's Money in the Bank, so that's why I'm hedging my bets with two scenarios. So I think maybe Ronda might win and Natalia comes down and cashes in and turns heel, right? With Stephanie by her side. Don't know, we'll see what happens with that. But the other one, and it's a an option that I'm starting to favour and it sort of takes away the blow of the potential outcome of the SmackDown women's title match because I'd said earlier and a few weeks ago I'm terrified of the fan reaction if Asuka loses to Carmella whether it's cheap cheating or a clean victory, if Carmella wins versus Asuka, that could be the straw that breaks the camel's back for a lot of folk but I'm going to make this my first official prediction oh fuck well you'll like this one right okay I'm locking this up. I'm not sure exactly how, if it's going to be cheap or not. Carmella will retain the title. Through the help of... Of James Elmer. <laughs> no, that's not a serious one. I've seen a rumour that he's returning and that is actually quite possible. <laughs> well, I, I didn't see that. <laughs> Aye, there's a rumour that James Ellsworth's coming back. PW Insider, I think. And do you know, there's a certain... Synergy and not synergy, symmetry involved because it's one year later. James Ellsworth helped Carmela win Money in the Bank in the first place. Who better to help her retain a year later? But that's not my serious one. I think Carmela might win, however it is. But winner of the Money in the Bank ladder match, Becky will come down and cash in and win the title that night. So that's me locking in two matches. 
I think that's that'll cushion the blow of Carmela beating Nasca. People will uh, still be angry, but at the same time, you've got a fan favourite and Becky walking away with a title, and it could lead to maybe a triple threat between the three at Extreme Rules or even a SmackDown, and it leaves you with the option of Becky versus Asuka for SummerSlam, with Asuka uh, doing a slow heel turn. You don't sound too enthused by that. No, I don't, because oh. I'm not. That's, uh, um, why not? I'm not getting on at you, I'm just wanting to I, know. It's not believable that, Char- that Carmella can beat Charlotte and Asuka back-to-back for me. It's not believable she could. She was able to beat Charlotte. I, uh, if going by your theory, I would have Asuka beat Charlotte, then say, if you want, just going by your theory, have Becky cash in on Asuka. Because remember, as Paige said, there's no automatic rematches now for the titles on SmackDown. But you could somehow do a triple threat then Extreme Rules for those three. It doesn't matter if you think that Carmella's not credible in beating Asuka or Charlotte. To me it does because I need it to look somewhat realistic but going, Aye, by, what, what, going th- by what I said a few weeks ago then is that I can't keep watching mediocre worse than mediocre matches Um I, I, I'll go along with you. I think Carmella beats Oscar as well, but I think James Ellsworth returns and helps her. Well, who better to come down than someone who James Ellsworth had basically a feud with, Becky and James? Yeah, like I don't think the cash in will happen because I don't think a SmackDown female is going to win it. So, I would say Carmella wins. But I'm just going to say Ellsworth comes down and comes down and helps her. Oh my God! It's going to lose about fifty million subscribers to the network if they do that. They really are. I know. That's not helping fan. Men- that's that was one of the other things I wanted to touch I, I on. I know, but it's, it's just a sort of out there prediction for me. Like I don't know if it's going to come true, but I'm going to back Carmella anyway. Aye. That's my official pick. Because things like that, if this this match in general. Unless it works out with Becky leaving with the title at the end of the night, this these kind of decisions don't help with fan mentality the way it is just now. Talked about it earlier with CM Punk, New Japan, All In as well, Takeover, even Takeover. I mean, that's that's turning into a dream card for me. Maybe one or two. I'm not too enthused by, but some of them, some of the matches are just mouthwatering stuff. But I think WWE are in a lose-lose situation, regardless of what they do on Sunday. So they need to, they need to have some feel-good wins for this Sunday. It can't be dodgy. See if it is dodgy booking. As long as there's fan favourites, that's win. I think the one thing that could save them is, as you say and I say, what do they do best? WWE organised chaos, yeah. like these multi-men and women matches, and I think that's what you might see in these Money in the Bank and I think they might do a couple of they might do a couple of crazy spots for AJ Naka as well um, but, so Becky's your official pick for the women's Money in the Bank yep. alright, mine is uh, mine is give me a moment so I 
I think, I think. At first I thought Natalia might win it and then she would ultimately maybe cash in on Ronda. But I'm going to go Sasha Banks, I think. Good choice. Do you know, see after Monday night, I want to see a Sasha Ember programme. Yep, yep, yes please. Based on wrestling quality alone. Oh, definitely, 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 definitely. Ember Moon is just pound for pound every bit as good as any female, like, in the company. Like, she's just that slight notch below, I think, uh, behind Charlotte, in my opinion. Um, But, like, obviously character might work, just excluding all that. Just pure in ring ability. She's she's is every bit as good as it gets. Um, so I'm going to go definitely. I'll walk in. I'll go Sasha Banks. Noted. And since we're talking about women, and because the reason why I've not took Natalia is because I don't know why. I just have a feeling Stephanie's going to get involved somehow and screw Ronda Rousey over. And that's why Natalia winning and cashing in Ronda isn't going to happen. Maybe it happens later on. Maybe it happens around the summer sometime or whatever. But my other pick is Nia Jax to retain. Okay. I've went for Ronda in that one. Or it could... Or it could. Let me rephrase. I don't think Ronda walks out with the title. Right. What do you mean? That... She she could get Naya could get disqualified or something. All oh, right, one of those ones that they've done too many times recently. Yeah, um, I just I just I don't know why I just can't get Stephanie coming down to help Naya out of my head. To be honest, I don't know how if it's even plausible or why they would do it or anything. I just have that in my head at the moment. See, for me, I think they're going to go with Ronda because they've just thrown all the right eggs into the basket with her. And for the record, she said at the Elimination Chamber that she's here full time. I'm sorry, that is not a. She, I'm not sure about house shows, but as far as I'm concerned, she's not had a singles match yet. She's not. She's not truly tested to see if she can work. I mean that that is true. That's. I mean she has had like. When you say televised matches, she's done stuff like um, oh, a couple of tag matches, house shows and stuff. But that's the, like that's the other reason. Like I understand that you, like she's a superstar, and you'd imagine just how athletic she is and how gifted she is, and how uh, clearly how much she wants to be there, and she's going to work. You would imagine she's going to improve every single day, and she could improve very very quickly. But I say to you on the Plotinos podcast a few weeks ago, a month or so ago, whenever it was, that the champion shouldn't be like green. We shouldn't be learning, still learning. Mm-hmm. Like I, I as a champion, I say that about Carmella, and the same applies to Ronda. Mm-hmm. I just, I just think we're probably going to get Ronda, Stephanie McMahon potentially at SummerSlam. <laughs> See, I, I just I, I I think Stephanie gets involved. I really do. They've brought someone in who, in real life, could break all the arms of the women and and some of the men in that roster. Mm-hmm. So they've kind of backed themselves into a corner where they've got this, and that's the character she portrays on wrestling screens as well. 
this is someone who's like, I am unbeatable, you cannot stop me, I am a force to be reckoned with. And you're stuck you're stuck with someone who's just so powerful that you would expect her to win every match unless it's lost by cheating. So she's going into this match and because of the way that's been portrayed, I can't help but feel that she'll win it regardless, even if it's not the right choice. So still, even though I did enjoy the sports entertainment aspect of the WrestleMania match, I'm still not on board with Ronda Rousey. And I wouldn't say being a commentator and standing in the ring looking at someone counts with the odd sort of flourish of some MMA moves, which she did again on Monday there. That, for me, doesn't count as a full-timer, and I want to see more. Uh, but at the same time, do I want to see more of this character who's portrayed as a beast? And, um, Rhonda, sorry. Yes. Well, like, when she, in, her, in her MMA days, like, she came across as very cocky, arrogant, and not very... You didn't you didn't seem to like her, you didn't want to root for her. But I'm sure behind the scenes, and I'm sure that's just sort of like a build-up to matches, fights, etc. You might not be the nicest person to be around, and I'm sure, like, away from it, she's a nice person, whatever. But that's who she needs to be. She needs to be portrayed like Brock Lesnar, in a sense that I'm just going to kick the shit out of you, and I'm going to laugh at you while I do it, and just anyone can come down and stop me if they want. But look at the fan you know, sentiment with Brock Lesnar now. People are desperate to see him out the door. But I think that's more so down to the fact that he's never there, etc. It's not so much... Because remember, when, when he absolutely destroyed Cena, there was, a, there was a... Yes, it was, oh my God, like Cena was well and truly, quote-unquote, buried. But it was just like, like how dominant the book Brock, and it was sort of, in a way, similar to some of his fights in the UFC, where he was kind of dominant at times. Um but I think the difference here between Ronda and Brock would be that Ronda would be there every week. I'm not saying book her like the way Brock's been booked in the sense that he destroys people in the space of five minutes, five, ten minutes. What I'm meaning is that even though that's what she'd done in MMA before she ran into Holly Holm, was that she would beat the shit out of anyone who's in her way, and that's the way they should do it. None of this smiling, whatever nonsense. And I understand that you've brought her in as a babyface. That makes sense because... You want to capitalise on how popular she is and bring people in, etc. But at some point, they have to turn her heel and have her just run through that division until she ultimately comes up against mm-hmm. Charlotte. I think what she needs, and I think it would actually work if she had matches or some sort of programme with Stephanie leading up to SummerSlam or whenever. She needs some, because she's so unstoppable, legit in real life shoot dangerous she needs someone who's um, a master of underhanded tactics to fight against because she won't be used to people sort of cheating to win or disqualifying themselves to win or whatever or being ganged up on by certain stable mates and stuff like that so I think even though they're lower down the pecking order for me it would be better if she was fighting the likes of Riot Squad or Alexa Bliss who's dodgy do you know what I mean? And like, and I think if she had a feud with Stephanie, she would need to be able to not so much hang with Stephanie on the mic, but certainly improve it. And and you would imagine sort of having that interaction with Stephanie and realizing right, I've got to up my game. That will improve her mic work. 
and the other thing that you say is working with Alexa Bliss and uh, Ruby Riot, Riot Squad, etc., etc. When she was in MMA, she was the dominant fighter. She was the one that pressed the action. So to turn that into the wrestling sense, she wouldn't work from like um, underneath. She would be she would be dictating the pace, dictating the action. She'd be working on top. So when you get when she comes up against the likes of Alexa Bliss and other people like that. She would be she would be working on top and Alexa Bliss etc would be working from underneath the bottom up. I know, but what I mean is, if, she, if she, say if she fought Alexa Bliss one week, and Alexa Bliss did a roll up and pulled the tights for the win. Yeah, I know it would smarten her up like kayfabe sense. Or it could, if that could be, this is fantasy booking. But if they did a slow heel turn where she keeps getting cheated out of victories on sort of apparently meaningless. Raw shows that she thinks right. If I can't beat them, join them, and then she goes heel. I wouldn't. I would. I would just like. I don't think like pushing past this Sunday because I don't think she won win a title. I would then just have her beating people in the programs and eventually just turn their heel in a sense that like, is am I going to get any competition around here sort of thing? And then ultimately she'll probably get the title at some point, and she becomes that cocky, arrogant, ass kicking machine that she was in MMA. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, I hope I do get my mind changed from it. It's just it's been a while now, and I'm still not sold on it all. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm. My hopes are still high for, and I'm still excited to see her on Sunday. Um, I know the match quality itself might not be great. I'm not expecting a clinic at the moment, um, but mm. I think, like I said, her attitude and everything that she's done beforehand outside of wrestling leads you to believe that she is going to be better, and she act. And if she doesn't, it's not going to be down to lack of effort anyway. Aye. So we'll see. Again, I didn't feel positive before WrestleMania, and I walked away thinking that was probably the best quote-unquote sports entertainment match of the night, so we might get that again. We just need to wait and see. But regardless of the MMA background, I am not convinced yet. And in a nice segue, someone else with an MMA background who has been painted as a superhero who has had the worst, some of the worst booking I've seen in years. And I do not say that lately. Robert Lashley and Samuel Zane. This is horrendous. I get what they're doing, right? Do you? Uh Uh-huh. Well, I'm interpreting. I have an idea of what they're doing. Bobby Lashley is a mean mofo, but... He's a gentle giant. They said they said it in his promos back ten years ago or whatever that he's softly spoken, but he can kill you if he wants. So they're doing this whole thing where he's just the first thing that they try and paint a picture of him is that he's a family man and they had a great time growing up with his sisters. Sami Zayn comes out and sort of tries to crack the chinks in the armor again, and then that just it gets sort of worst. Wrestle crap segment of the year, and then they do the thing where Bobby Lashley comes on to Instagram with all the motivational quotes, and Samuel Zayn looks under the hood, sees that if you make if you become a friend with Bobby Lashley on Instagram, he just sends you things saying, "Here's my shirts for forty dollars," and now this one, where he's marine trained or whatever, he can do these assault courses in a matter of minutes, and Samuel Zayn's attacking it, so they're trying to attack his wholesome, good guy image and they've got an arsehole like Sami Zayn to try and look into that and see what the flaws are and Bobby Lashley keeps overcoming it all the time I get what they're doing 
I just can't stand it. It's an awful... I mean, do we know, or what is the rumour that Sami Zayn was left out of the Saudi Arabia Greatest Royal Rumble? Did he say he didn't want to go, or was he told he couldn't go? I think he was told, apparently. Because of, apparently, his political leanings or beliefs? Not even his political, it's because of the heritage. His heritage, uh, he's Syrian. After all, he's, I don't know if he's both his parents are, it's like certainly one of his parents anyway. It's no. his heritage, and it's uh, a, it's not exactly, a, to put it nicely, it's not a very good relationship between Saudi Arabia and mm-hmm. Syria. So, Well, if that is the reason, then as far as I'm concerned, it seems like he has been punished because this is a really bad angle. And as much as Sami Zayn tries to rescue each segment, I mean, he acts his heart out, he puts his heart into everything that he does. Bobby Lashley's coming out with, if you keep this up, I'm going to beat your butt. Come on. Right, I'm going to try and channel my inner rants here. <laughs> so, what are they doing differently with Sami Zayn now than they were doing, say, 12 months ago? Right? The answer to that is nothing. Uh-huh, they, but see in, oh between, see in between that? In between those yes, 12 months, Sami Zayn was in a long-standing feud where it was the hottest thing going on on SmackDown. Yeah, but when you when you when you see if you just go see if you look at his say the last two or three years, right? The it's there's a pattern there's a pattern there of what how they feel about it and what they think. Just because there's one little there's a little building like there's one little block that's higher than the other, all of a sudden there's this little sprout. Doesn't mean that's how they really feel about him. I think, to me, bottom line is they don't realise that they have an absolute star in their hands in Sami Zayn. Or maybe they do and they just don't know what to do with him, which is strange. It's another one where he was an absolute star, as you said, on NXT, to the point where when he finally beat Neville for the NXT Championship, it was a, such a big deal that they had all the roster members come out and carry him upon their shoulders. Another it's example like, of an NXT guy not being used to Honest, I don't think they truly understand what they've got in their hands. One of the top sort of like five, six workers in the company. Uh-huh, definitely. Loved, well, was loved, then was absolutely loathed they just don't know what they've got and they, I don't understand it like I'm going to give him a pick right now Bobby Lashley wins I think it'll be a good match though uh, um, but like, I just I don't un- I, they don't know what they have in Sam Zayn bottom line no. maybe, maybe they do and they don't see him the way we see him then booking and history suggests that I don't know quite depressing isn't it it really is because he's so damn great and to coin a phrase from James Boyd he's booked to look like a geek (laughs) but he shouldn't be a geek well he can be a geek but he can be a geek that overcomes the odds look at (laughs) (laughs) Spider-Man 
friendly neighbourhood, Sammy man. Well, we move on. We've spent enough time on talking about that seg- that atrocity. Mm. Would you like to pick the next match? Well, we have what Seth, Seth Elias. Well, let's just get into Roman and Jinder. Do right. The CM Punk chants are going to oh, be fucking deafening in this match. Uh, and I cannot wait, cannot wait for Roman to win. <laughs> I don't, I don't, um, I don't agree that Vince thinks as long as Roman's getting a reaction. Well, maybe I don't really know what he thinks, but if he changed the WrestleMania main event plans during the match because they were booing Roman Reigns, then what in God's name is he doing putting? Jinder Mahal versus Roman Reigns in Chicago. You know exactly what's going to happen. You know exactly what's going to go down in this match. Jinder retained, yep, he retained the championship in Chicago. It back was back last Chicago last year. It was, um, and his fans were lapping it up, even though we all know that Jinder's awful. And it was an ironic cheer, an ironic prolonged pop. It's going to happen again. Like, no one, no one knows what Vince is thinking, right? So all these geniuses that think they think they know what's going on, they don't. And I don't know who reported that the match was changed halfway through it, right? Apparently. Apparently, right? But again, that's or that could also be absolute bullshit, right? Maybe the plan originally could have been Roman going over, but as it goes to WrestleMania, Vince decided, no, nah, we're going to keep going with Brock, and then also the report comes out that the only certain people knew that Brock was going to win only like a, like a handful of people knew Brock was going to win at the Greatest Royal Rumble alright well everyone knew that, so that handful of people included the people who set up the damn fucking ring the cage um no I just I don't think Vince gives a fuck like I don't think he's thinking that oh he's going into Chicago and we're going to get a CM Punk chance I don't think he cares I um, think he's given up on Roman honestly well, I don't think he has. I think what they've done is, a, is they've done the right thing. Maybe maybe they haven't done the right thing in this feud, if you want to argue that, but they've, took, they've taken him out of the spotlight. They could have put him in the Money in the Bank match, and that way you could have slightly hid him in the sense that he's not going to be fully exposed as he would be in a one-on-one. Like you can do, you can sort of be in the background in, in uh, multi-men and women matches. But I think what they've done is the right thing. If he is going to ever get another title shot, you just take him out of the spotlight for the time being before putting him back in it. There's taking him out of the spotlight and then there's putting him in matches where he's in the chin lock for 10 minutes after 11pm and then you're putting him against Jinder. The Joe thing. Do you know, do you know something? Mm-hmm. Roman gets the blame for that. It was Samoa Joe that had him in the chin lock. No, man. I I think the match could be kind of hard hitting, but Roman wins and, and moves on. And obviously, there's a report that came out that they're now going to go Roman and Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. Don't know how true that is, and if that's going to come to fruition or not. Well, 
We keep seeing rumours floating about. We heard that Roman would be the one that would dethrone Brock. It never happened. But I didn't. I didn't see those rumours. I legit did not see a report that said Roman's going over at WrestleMania. We talked about it more than twelve months before it happened on this podcast before it became part of the Social Suplex Podcast Network. F- rate and review five stars on your podcast app uh, no, of no, choice. No, 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 no. The match itself, we ca- we were told twelve months in advance was going to take place, right? That's but right. But we we all just assumed it was going to be Roman as win, and I was one of them. Like to the point that. To the point, it was like it was almost a like it was like that was a one match going into WrestleMania. That I, in my mind, it was a complete certainty who was going to win. And then when he didn't win, and then when it was Greatest Royal Rumble, I was like, right, well he's definitely there now. And he didn't. Maybe the plan was never to give Roman a title. Maybe the plan all along was just to keep it on Brock for longer for whatever reason. And then I don't. I also don't buy now that people say, oh, you've delayed it because of fan reaction. If that was the case. He would have got the title at WrestleMania. The fan reaction at WrestleMania SummerSlam isn't going to be any different. If you were worried about if you were worried about fan reaction, you would have put the title on him. It's it's Greatest Royal Rumble, which they never did. So to me, I don't think Vince gives a fuck what the fan reaction is going to be. What do you think? Who do you think will win the match? Roman. Uh, that's what I've put as well. Just to, although there's a couple of happy. Fan, um, fan-friendly choices that I've picked. They've got to even that up with some awful booking, and Roman will win after twelve collapses. The thing is, like, see, I, I don't even give a fuck. If it's Roman and Brock at SummerSlam now. I don't care if it's Roman that beats Brock to win a title. I just want someone, anyone, anyone, to beat Brock for that title. Anyone. I don't care who it is now. Aye. Like I couldn't, I could not care less who it is. James Ellsworth. If it's James Ellsworth, so be it. If he appears every week, then I'm all for it. <laughs> I'm going to um, cut that audio that you just said there, and I'll just post it all over every social media outlet I can find. <laughs> if it's James Ellsworth, then so be it. I'm all for it. Uh, I'm ha- like, nah. Brock isn't a special attraction that Vince makes him out to be. Brock. <laughs> yes. Right, we'll move on to another one that's had sort of similar fan feelings. Now, I'm actually turned the corner on this one a wee bit. I'm not going to say that Mr. Colin Cassidy is out of the fire yet. I think he's still got a lot of work to do. But this has been an entertaining feud between Big Cass and Daniel Prine purely because every single time, well, 99% of the time, Big Cass talks about that. This is one thing that annoys me, the whole heightest, I'm taller yeah, than does, you. Yeah. That's awful. But every time, Daniel Bryan destroys him. He destroyed him at Backlash. He destroyed him on SmackDown. Um, it just ragdolled him a while ago. It's been That's why it's been entertaining, because Daniel Bryan has, been, has come out on top the vast majority of the time. And I have to say... I don't know if it's just because it was a long time ago, but this this Daniel Bryan that we're getting right now, who's fired up, aggressive, quite disrespectful to his opponents, I am enjoying it. I really hate 
when he starts talking about um, the height thing. Oh, it's, it's dreadful. This it, is it 2018. Really is, it, it, it does, it smacks of high school, primary school behaviour. Um, I think Cass wins on Sunday. Um, right, okay. I'll take a note. I'm the same as you. I, I think if I had to which end of the spectrum am I on, I would say I probably lean more so. I've, I think it's been okay. I think it's been de- decent enough, I suppose. Um, I'm just not... I'm just not fully behind or can't fully buy into cash yet. No, neither can I. So that's why it's been good to see him get destroyed every week. <laughs> <laughs> but I think he wins on Sunday because I think the, I think the feud goes on to extreme rules. Oh, another one? Jesus. Now, if it doesn't, then it ends on Sunday and Daniel Bryan wins and then we potentially move on to Daniel Bryan versus title holder at SummerSlam. I think Daniel Bryan might be facing a, a TNA alumni at some point at the next pay-per-view. Which one? Joe? Mike Bennett. <laughs> um, probably Joe. Take my fucking money right now. Uh, <laughs> that was quite the reaction. I, I need to see that. Like, very soon. I, I personally wouldn't do it next. I would have a title involved in that, but again, another scenario I've got in my mind, the title would never be involved. So, yeah, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I think I'm going to stick with Daniel Bryan as my pick. I know that the way it's been running, that Daniel Bryan has just been owning him, even on the mic as well as in the ring. You would be led to believe that Cass will win at the end of the day, but I I just want this feud over and done with. It's been alright, but I want it over. So I'm going for a Daniel Bryan victory. So you may have noticed by now that there isn't much order to who we're picking for wins, uh, match order and stuff like that. I'm just scrolling through the list of matches I've got here. Um, So then there's no order to these. And there's not been much of a build to these ones either, apart from barbecues and action figures. But both the tag team title matches, what's happened to tag team wrestling? Who cares There's a love hate thing in, we mentioned. I don't know if it was on this podcast or it was on Outsider's Edge that it's almost as if Vince wakes up one morning and decides I'm no longer interested in it or maybe I should pay attention to it. You kind of get that vibe. I think I think we once we move past this, once we get for SmackDown, certainly it, I think it could get better. Because we could still Usos and the not the new day the bar, or we maybe have the bar challenge in the Bludgeon Brothers, and then we might get Sanity appearing at some point. That's the maybe thing. Sanity might not actually appear until around maybe a summer sometime. Maybe I don't know. Maybe that was too long. Either Sanity or Authors of Pain will come down after the match. So for uh, their no, respective author, brands, Authors of Pain are real difficult spot. Because you and I both agreed that when they were on NXT, they were still a little too green to come up. Uh, but, but what was left for them to do in NXT? 
that's the thing. They try and marry up. They try. We've talked about this previously. They try and marry up people's story arcs in NXT to the big four pay per views when it becomes call up season. And I don't yep. think they should do that anymore. I know it gets the big pops on the Monday after WrestleMania, but authors of pain are AWOL, sanity are AWOL. It's just, it's not worked. It's not, I know sanity weren't really doing much anyway. They had lost the tag titles a while ago. It's just, it's a shame because you're right, there wasn't anything left for authors of pain to do on NXT, but there's absolutely nothing for them to do while the Raw tag division is just full of rejects from one flew over the cuckoo's nest. So that that's the problem they faced. That they ran out of things to potentially do in NXT, but they still weren't ready to come up. Mm-hmm. But I think they will be back soon. Um, the Raw tag title match, I like. I, I like um, Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel. For some strange reason, I think I've always had a, a somewhat of a soft spot for Curtis Axel ever since he started doing that Axel Mania stuff. Um, he's found little ways to kind of stay relevant and stay over in a sense. Um, but I think I'm going to go with Bray and Matt. It's too soon for him to lose the title and too soon for him to break up. I think this is quite a silly reason, but there is a Hardy Brothers 24 documentary immediately following Money in the Bank. So they want to have a good night for the Hardy boys. So with that in mind, I think the Woken Warriors will retain. That's the only reason, and I've got behind it. And I saw the advert for that. It does actually look quite decent. Matt breaks kayfabe. Um, no. Where the fuck is Jeff? He had a match against Nakamura on Tuesday, then. I know, but I'm talking about Sunday. <sighs> good point. Do you, do you know what that that title's going to belong to Almas very very soon is there a pre-show match between Almas and Sin Cara has that been made official yet I thought I thought I don't know I would, I would like to I'll, see that I, I only saw earlier on today that the Bludgeon Brothers and the Good Brothers was on the pre-show I haven't I haven't looked no, I th- I um I get what they're doing with the Bludgeon Brothers, that they're all conquering, but it's not really working out so far. The Good Brothers, fair enough, you're, as I've said before, you're making good use of the roster, um, but it's not really a match I care much about. Neither of the tag team matches are, so I've just went for the Bludgeon Brothers to retain as well. I've not picked any changes. Are you going for a Bludgeon Brothers retention? Yes. Okay. But it says Sankara was pulled from SmackDown due to an injury. I don't know if that's a kayfabe injury or a legit injury. Aye. But as you Google, as you Google Andrade C and Almas, right? So as you're typing it in, where'd it go? Right. What is it you're doing, sorry? I'm just Googling, I Googled Andrade Almas. So I put the M in, sorry by accident, instead of an N, and the second thing that pops up is his hair. <laughs> man has man has good hair. That's because it reminds you of one of your many hairstyles. Yeah, I had to ask. Well, I didn't have it tied back in a bobble, though. 
You wanted a man bun. Don't no, deny I didn't. it. I couldn't pull a man bun off. But you can pull a sarong off. Damn right, I could. Yes, folks, I purchased a sarong to wear on my holiday next week. That's such a wrong fashion choice for you. <sighs> Thank you. I'm just, I'm just trying to embrace my inner velveteen dream. Don't even dare try. <laughs> He's my new favourite. I'm putting Great. it out there. Just, I don't know if you saw, there was a report that said that Ricochet was injured. Shut up. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear it. In fact, no. Like, do you want me to tell you if it's true or not? No, I, I, don't, I don't want to listen to that at all. I don't want to have it enter into my mind, and I will just forget about it, even after we stop um, recording. I won't ask you about it. Right. Uh, it's too it's too heartbreaking if that's the case. Well, Triple H has denied it, so we're fine. Okay, well, Trips is the man, apparently. Well, I, I obviously is. Did you not see what he done just the other day? <laughs> the, <laughs> the peace treaty talks with Trump and Un. Yep. The man, the man, the man's unbelievable. Uh, moving on. He'll demand a match with Kim Jong Kim Jong Un at WrestleMania just to put them over. <laughs> it's the kind of guy he is. I know, and he'll get nuclear heat for it. <laughs> Any pun intended in, in nuclear? Of course. What... <laughs> oh, right, you saved us for the politics podcast. Aye, right. The the re- as I said, dreams my favourite. It has been Seth for a large Seth Rollins for a large chunk of 2018, last part of 2017. But I've kind of not that I've fallen out of favour with him. He's fallen out of favour with me. Sorry, it's just I think he was used to help Roman Reigns get over with the crowds for a few weeks, a few too many weeks there. And whenever they do that, it's because they know the Roman Reigns experiment's failing. Cynically thought by myself. Um, nah. after all the sort of really good matches that he's had with the likes of Kevin Owens Finn Balor The Miz having Elias as a money in the bank like a pay-per-view match oh, I'm not sure if I'm on board for it Elias has been a thorn in Seth's side for quite a few months now Elias was the one who stopped him from progressing through the gauntlet match so there is a history there I'm just not feeling it I'm looking forward to it I'm sure it'll be good on the night, it's just it's taking the heat, the sort of the excitement away from Seth Rollins at the moment for me that's, it. that's also the issue when you've got four of your top guys involved in a single match you know, so that immediately takes away four real quality opponents for him. That's what happens with these things, isn't it? Yeah, so I think if you just look at it like that if I'm going to say Seth retains so as if you I. look at it, I'm saying if the you same. look at it, if you look at it in that sense, now you just wait. Right, okay, we're getting a, a full feud between Seth and Elias. Could be a real, a wee fun little match as well. But then, when post Money in the Bank, we could we could get something like Seth versus Rude or Finn again, or maybe Sami Zayn or even KO. You know, so I think, like I said, when when you've got four guys in a single match, it's difficult. Because everyone sort of has someone that they're going to be facing, and and you, if 
Ben Elias is probably the best out of the remaining bunch. Aye, Elias has done well, and there's been gripes about him not getting enough actual match time, so it'll be good to work off the ring rust, so to speak. And it wouldn't stun me if Elias wins either. Do you know, he's such a sort of... You immediately look at the card and think, that's alright, Seth's winning that, no problem. So it could be one of those ones where there's maybe something like outside interference, or... After this amazing run of many months that Seth's had, Elias just does a cheap wee roll-up, runs out of the ring, sings a song. I can see it happening, and it could pave the way for Seth going on his way to SummerSlam versus the Bork. Yep, fuck Brock. <laughs> Two in one show. Need to get in as many as I can. Our American friends seem to love it. Give us another one. Later on, at some point I will. <laughs> okay. Fuck so, Brock. <laughs> <laughs> Genius. Right. I've picked Seth as well. Um, maybe on the night. I just think there's a possibility that this could go another way. And I, might, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be stunned either. It might be the shock sort of loss for Seth. Another one that could break the camel's back. We'll see. So, let me check here. We've got two left to pick from. Mm-hmm. I'll start with the Nakamura versus AJ last man standing match. Surely, after all this, t- by the way, t- see the TV side of this feud, it has been excellent. Nakamura's descent into utter madness as he lays out all of his opponents. He's run through quite a lot of them now on SmackDown, um, kicking them in the balls, then sizing them up for the Kinsasha, and then doing the 10 count. He's lost the plot. And it's good to it's an it's a very interesting Nakamura we're seeing. And I just think that after all this hard work, his character development's been really good. It would be a shame for him to not win on Sunday, so I think he's going to win. I kinda hope he wins actually. Um the feud concludes on Sunday. Yes. That it has to like, uh, not so much that I'm fed up or anything like that because I think the match will be fine, etc. Just let's say is it's that last sort of thirty seconds of each match that we haven't really liked. Hmm. I hope they don't go along and just like a double count out or some nonsense. And uh, my other thing is how long do they get? Will Vince maybe give them twenty five minutes just to go all out? And I would assume this match probably closes the show as well. Really? My, my, the only other thing that I could think of is going to be Nia Jackson Ronda closes. Oh, no. Bec- no, but my reasoning behind that was either because Stephanie's returning or Natalia cashes in on Ronda. Right. And that's a kind of like, that's like a close the show moment. That is. <clears throat> and it's sort of. So that's my, that's, the only, that's my only reason. Well, if or, that's the case, then when we see that that's the last, whatever is is the last match on the card then you know a cash-in's on the way I think either a cash-in's on the way or it's because Ronda's won the title and they want to end the show with that image see if she gets confetti I will go tonto (laughs) Um, AJ Styles but I even at that I'm not fully invested in that pick because I don't even know what you would then do with Nakamura 
I don't know. No, no, Nakamura. <laughs> Nakamura. Because then we're going to get AJ versus Joe. I, I just think... I think we get AJ versus Joe next anyway, no matter what, Aye. for the title or the title, I don't know. I know that SmackDown, since the shake-up, has been doing quietly well for itself, especially in comparison to Raw, but a lot of damage was done in their last sort of wrestling year, wrestling calendar, and I think it's time for a change, change of the guard, and we've got a new, it's time to have a new world champion on SmackDown. So that's why another reason I'm picking Nakamura, as well as they've put all this hard work in for him to just for him to just run a, walk away with nothing after it all, pointless. Absolutely so what would pointless. you do? What would you do with AJ? Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the, Joe. Maybe the Extreme Rules is a triple threat match. I think maybe Joe. Uh huh. Um, Big Cass. But then <laughs> Cass and Daniel Bryan, Joe and AJ, and then who would it be with Nakamura? Hmm. Almas, just give it to Almas right now. No, Almas and Jeff Hardy, because I think we're going to get, oh my goodness, we're going to get Almas and AJ Styles at some point. Really that could be, that could be a US title feud if AJ is not in not holding the, the main uh, the WWE title at that point. Aye, we'll see. But oh, Na- Nakamura versus Rusev. There we go, bingo. Oh, Jesus. Speaking of Rusev, mm-hmm. Rance is of the opinion that wins and losses don't matter. Mm-hmm. They do matter because Rusev is picking up victories versus. Daniel Bryan, he's picking up victories versus Samoa Joe, of all people. All of a sudden he looks like a threat because he has momentum on his side because he's won some matches. For me, wins and losses do matter. Especially if you don't have a title. I think wins and losses do and don't matter. So I think if you're in a unique position where if you lose a few matches, I don't think it will hurt your credibility depending on who you are. Like Daniel Bryan, for instance, or even AJ Styles. But I granted, I understand that you get into that position because you were beating people and you went on, you had some momentum. So, but if you look at it now, I think, I've said it before, I think Daniel Bryan can go on like a Kurt Hawkins like, like losing streak and he'll still be like the most over person in wrestling. But I think I also agree with you when you say that whether he looks like a credible threat or not to win it I don't know but he certainly goes into it with momentum and you can see that snowball into winning the money in the bank etc so in that sense it, wins and losses do matter sometimes it's just the, the manner of how you lose as well because if you're losing just in heartbreaking ways you're still seen as a threat etc as opposed to if you're just getting absolutely beat up mm-hmm. Um, but yeah I agree there I agree with you I think wins and losses matter for certain people and for others it doesn't I think maybe I shouldn't have said that because really that is a whole podcast conversation for another day and the fact that as soon as Rance listens to this you know he's going to message you and he's he's not going to be happy (laughs) (laughs) sorry in advance Rance (laughs) Uh, 
and I will shy away. I'll I'll put up that gif of Homer Simpson backing into a hedge and disappearing. <laughs> And then Rance will respond with his favourite Jack Nicholson gift as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, see shout the, out to Rance. Yes. What a love for him. We're doing well with the plugs, the natural plugs for the shows tonight. <laughs> we really are. The, because I picked a Smackdown woman to win the Money in the Bank match, I'm going to go for a raw guy. <sighs> see... There's been a lot of focus on SmackDown's men's team. Not team, you know what I mean. Their side of the fence. Because you've got Miz, who people are desperate to see win. You've got Samoa Joe, who is a credible threat when it comes to like winning. Well, see, that I've noticed that he talks a good game, but he's lost quite a few feuds. Joe? Aye. Ah, but Joe's, Joe's also one of those guys that... He comes out of nowhere. When you least expect he's, it. Yeah, he's just, he's phenomenal. So there is a real pot. I think from SmackDown side of thing, you're looking at Miz and Joe as possible like, genuine contenders. And from the Raw side, your favourites, my, my favourites, Finn and Kevin Owens. And I can't decide who between the two because they mentioned it this week. Both mm-hmm. guys have got a legitimate shot at a rematch or whatever you want to call it for a universal title. Um, I think something's going to happen it's either going to be Finn or Seth and they will feud for a while I get that impression that Finn and Seth are going to feud I have I can say it confidently I think you'll agree Braun Strowman isn't winning it which is a shame but I must say see if we get even half of a repeat of Braun Strowman's performance from SummerSlam 2017 then we are in for a joyous night of absolute oh, carnage. Definitely cannot wait to see that. Um, I think, so I think Kevin Owens will have his hand on a briefcase and Finn knocks him down. Hmm. And that's where I think you're going to get the feud from those two where KO blames Finn. So we're going to get those two feuding. I can even, even see them feuding over the briefcase itself in the future. Maybe. Like, so um, I... Edge I went. Kennedy. I, I went Sasha Banks to win, so I'll go SmackDown because it's going to be one and one. Oh, it's I definitely know. not going to be. It's got to be. So for me, it's either going to be Sasha Banks or Natalia that wins it. For women's, but I went with Sasha. I could see maybe going another way as well. So the biggest storyline and hottest storyline you can tell in WWE right now is Daniel Bryan winning the title and Miss cashes in on him. Mm-hmm. Maybe even that night. Oh, can you right. imagine they actually cashed in on them? The utter... That's what I think could happen at SummerSlam. The rage, that, the kayfabe, the kayfabe da- rage. Oh, Daniel Bryan wins, mid-celebration, a Miz attacks him from behind, skull-crushing finale. Off the top in. of the ladder. <laughs> cashes in, and he wins the title, and then you could potentially run Miz as champ all the way up to WrestleMania. Daniel Bryan wins the Royal Rumble. Daniel Bryan versus Miz at WrestleMania. Daniel Bryan gets redemption. However, all that fun. However, <laughs> folks, the Miz is not winning the fucking money in the bank. No, 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 no. What money in bank is when Sunday? Mm-hmm. What day is Sunday? Say it with me. Come on. Right. 
I'm either going to give you the genuine answer or your stupid answer. But it's Father's well, Day on Sunday. Yeah, over here it's Father's Day, yeah. But no, 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 no. What day is it on Sunday? I'm not answering you. I won't do just, it. Just say it with me. Repeat. Just repeat after me, right? It's... It's... Rusev... Ali... Okay. Rusev is winning money in the bank. He is not... <laughs> I'll, I'll listen, listen. That, the Miz is going to win it, right? But my official pick is Rusev. Because remember, it's well known between myself and you and other people, I picked Rusev to win last year's Money in the Bank. I... And Rusev wasn't even in the damn match. <laughs> Rusev, Rusev wasn't even on fucking TV at that point. <laughs> I'm going Rusev to win Money in the Bank. Oh, Jesus. They're finally going to pull the trigger. What an L informed opinion what an ill-informed prediction not at all I told you Daniel Bryan's actually going to win it Dorry, uh, the Miz is actually going to win the money in the bank but my official pick is Rusev I mean I know I'm sort of contradicting myself but contradiction yourself that's an understatement it's basically within the same breath Miz is winning it but Rusev's winning it yep Uh, that's my pick. Put that, mark that down. I'm locking that up. Rusev to win it. I have picked it. So, as a rundown overall, right? You, Ricky, have picked Carmela, Cass, Woken Warriors, which I've called them Woken Warriors for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> See, I thought I missed that. I was like, when did they get called that? No, I think maybe I've just made it up, but I'm accepting that it's true. So, Woken Warriors. Bludgeon Brothers, Roman, Seth, Sasha Banks, it is money in the bank after all, Nia Jax, Rusev, Nakamura and Bobby Lashley. I know that's a strange order but I've done it anyway. I have picked Carmela, Daniel Bryan, Woken Warriors, Bludgeon Brothers, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, Becky Lynch, Ronda Rousey. Oh, I didn't pick between Finn and KO, I'm going to go for Finn, I like your idea. Nakamura right. and Bobby Lashley. Now, we've went so we differ, we differ on four. Uh-huh. Remember, guys, it's five points for the Money in the Bank winners if you get the prediction right. Now, with regards to the points, I have some news that some of you might be gutted about, some of you might not care. I lost the prediction league table <laughs> results from, like, this has been going on since Elimination Chamber 2017, <laughs> and I've lost it. I could listen back to a previous episode and find out what the scores were, where they were last at, but I can't be bothered doing that. If someone is such a fan of their show, please listen back to either the Backlash pay-per-view preview or there or thereabouts and tell us what the scores were. See if you don't care, then fair enough. Ricky, I think you were in the lead at, the point, at that point anyway. I don't know. I'm pretty sure you had a couple of points on me. No. But anyway, we'll start afresh now anyway. Uh-huh. We run out money in the bank to money in the bank. Because <laughs> that makes the world a <laughs> sense. Uh, That's our financial year. Because it's money in the bank. Exactly. Trademark that shit. <laughs> <laughs> the funniest part was your face on Skype when you said that. You were so chuffed with yourself. Well, aye, I was, I was being serious. Mm-hmm. We've trademarked several things over the years. Uh-huh. 
Let's not go into that on air. No, let's not. Right, quiz time. Yes. It's fucking quiz time with Ricky and Clive and friends. A fucking WWE quiz. Okay, Ricky, I believe you have a quiz for us this week, or at least I hope you have. Yeah, I do, I do, I do, I do. So it's kind of money in the bank slash ladder matches related. I couldn't, I couldn't do strictly money in the bank because we had one a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, so kind so, of laddery matchy themed quiz for the night then. Yeah, yeah. So here we go. Question number one. So we know the first ever ladder match in WWE WWF was. Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon for the title. Well, there is a Bret Hart one before it. I but know, but I think I know what you mean. No, like, you know, where did that match take place? In which city? All oh, right, uh, New York. LA. You sure? Who who are you talking about here? Sorry, are you talking about Bret Hart match? Sorry, what question were you to ask me? The oh Christ, here we go with this awful <laughs> American geography knowledge again. Right, so the ladder match between HBK, right, mm-hmm. and Razor Ramon took place where? Right, was this at WrestleMania Ten? Yes. Well, you've given me the answer, but I thought it was Madison and Square Garden. It was. So what the fuck are you lying for? Why do you do this? I made a mistake. Calm down. I know, but you lie to me at least once a day. That's our relationship. Next question, cunt. Oh, you may need to get rid of that. The first ever ladder match for any version of the world title. Who was in it? Oh, good question. A world title? Right, so what I'm going to... I think... I know the answer. Right, okay, go. Oh, shit. It was Austin versus Vince and Shane McMahon, King of the Ring 1999. No. Okay. So, I think officially it was... I think it was Rock versus... No, not Rock... HBK versus Goldust at a show called like Experience or like the big event, but I think that was like a house show. So I went with just like like, like televised. It was The Rock and Mankind and Raw nineteen ninety nine. God, I can't remember that at all. They had so many matches together that I forgot. Like... <laughs> Too many. Possibly. <clears throat> so the first ever ladder match at WrestleMania, like we say, was Razor Ramon and Shawn Michaels. What was the second ever ladder match? At WrestleMania for at, a title. At WrestleMania, so right, the second ever WrestleMania ladder match for a for yep. a title. Yes. Right. Uh, was it WrestleMania two thousand for the tag titles? Who was in the match? Well, your Dudley boys, your Hardy boys, your Raging Christian boys. Correct. Fantastic. Number four. 
the first ever lad sorry the first ever handicap ladder match who was involved in this match was it the Austin versus McMahon's one yes what was at stake oh shit this is why you didn't get this one right and do you know I've got quite a vivid memory of it because I remember some unknown entity who has still not been explained to this day kept pulling the ladder pulling the the rope away from Austin as he climbed the ladder what was it? Hey, tell me King of the Ring 1999 did this happen? well uh, done that was a question that was the answer that was a question for the next that was the next question <laughs> <laughs> oh what was the pay per view? right uh-huh. I'm going to guess I don't know if my chronology is correct Austin saved Stephanie from being crucified I believe <laughs> Uh, from Undertaker Linda McMahon thanked him by making him CEO so was it the the CEO job taken uh, off uh, ownership of the company pretty right. much right. well done I know I've got, I quite enjoyed that match I've seemed to have quite the memory about it <laughs> <laughs> right so I may as well just ask you what event did this occur um, Backlash 1991 Wrong. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> At No Mercy 2001, Edge and Christian had a ladder match. Okay, there you go. That was the answer. Intercontinental title. Good wee rivalry there. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? <coughs> sorry to tangent, but can you imagine the rivalry they would have had if Edge stayed healthy? Could you imagine all the rivalries Edge would have had if he stayed healthy? I know. But that and like some of his injuries actually played played a big part in a lot of his rivalries. Like for instance, when it was Taker and Batista, and they attacked Taker when he was a cameraman and stuff. Mm-hmm. It just kind of just made you hate him even more because he's come back and he's still a bastard. I know. So, like, true or false? The greatest title in the, in the history of professional wrestling <laughs> was involved in a ladder match. Right, you're talking about the hardcore title, aren't you? Yes, I am. Um, it must have been at some point. I'm going to say true, but I can't remember what. Correct. What was the match? That's what the next question is. Can you give, Who me, was the pa- right, give me the pay-per-view and I'll try and remember? It was just on a Raw, I think. Oh, well, not a clue then. Right, I will just, I'll give you some clues. So obviously both men are now retired. Right. One of them was involved in some sort of capacity on Raw in the last three years or so. One of them was involved in some capacity, right, okay. Yep, yep. Um, the other one is no longer with us for the hardcore title oh oh, right hold on so when I say he's no longer with us he's unfortunately passed away as far as I'm aware 
Are Do you want another? No, I, I'm questioning your facts. Okay. Didn't RVD and Tommy Dreamer have a match to unify the Hardcore and the IC title? And was that not a ladder match? In fact, it has SummerSlam 2001, RVD and Jeff Hardy for the Hardcore title. Ladder match, was it not? Yeah, but this isn't that one. <laughs> this I'm was like before then, no? I don't know. I don't have a clue. It took, right, so I think it was nineteen. It was 1998. Right, so I'll give you a clue, right? Another one. So one of them... He was in. I said he was. He played an on-screen character on Raw. Let me get the exact time. About three years ago, I think it was right. You've given me that clue though. Yeah, I will expand on it. I'll expand on it. He. This will just give away that clue, actually. Right. So the one, the one that's no longer with us, he passed away. I think it was nineteen. No, sorry, not nineteen. Two thousand and four. All right, um, 98. Some, some may say, no, I can't say that, I can't say that, I can't say that. Test? No. I don't, I don't know. Pass. I'm just trying to think, I'm not, you'll be kicking yourself because I think you might remember it. I want to give you a clue without giving it away too much. Right, okay, so the person that played the on-screen character on Raw... He played during his wrestling career. He had several different personas. Right, Foley. Yes. Right, I can't remember who his opponent was. Was it China? It was Foley in China, wasn't it? No. <laughs> you sounded so so sure of that there. I know. So, right, some may say some may say the Undertaker killed him on Raw. No, but The Undertaker killed Mohammed Hassan at Great American Bash. <laughs> and he's still falling. He's still falling, guys. Ricky, I don't I don't know. Right, do you just do you give up? Aye. The big boss man. Ugh, I would not have remembered that. Following the big boss man. Can't wait to load up the network for that bad boy. It was Raw 98. I think that was Raw 98, yep. And that's the end of the quiz, 10 questions. Okay. Have you done well? How many did you get? I think that was, is that 8 out of 10? 9 out of 10, sorry. I seem, to, I seem to have quite a decent history eight. for ladder matches. Did you get, I don't think you got Rock and Mankind though. No, I didn't and I didn't no. get that and one. And then the boss went to 8 out of 10, that's quite good. Thank you. I didn't think you were going to get the ownership of the company one. I just, it was a timeline. I couldn't remember exactly what it was, but I knew that it fit in with the timeline of it all. And then Edge and Christian for an Continental, I should have realised you're such an Edge mark, of course, you'd have fitting you on that. I know what Edge had for his breakfast this morning. <laughs> it was toast. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, we've come to the end of the show I've plugged everyone else so far but um, we missed out 
when we're not missing them out now. You've got the Grown Men Watch This Shit as part of the Social Suplex Podcast Network. You've got, that's Chris and James that do that. They cover a lot of the independent wrestling scene stuff that's going on. Really good back and forth conversation between those two. That's usually every two weeks. Um, check them out. They're quite good. I enjoy their stuff. You've got Outsider's Edge, which we've talked about with Rance and Carol. One Nation Radio and One Nation Live with Rich Latta. Rich has taken stuff over to videos now, doing a lot of video reviews for NXT, New Japan, Dominion, stuff like that. So he's branching out there. Check him out on, I think you just searched for Rich Latta on YouTube. Keeping it strong style with J&J Security. (laughs) (laughs) That is such a good name. I know, but I don't know if we're going to be in trouble for that. (laughs) Why? Because J&J Security were a couple of jobbers. Oh, Jamie, Jamie knows the fucking man. Well, the interesting thing is we'll let them, we'll let Josh and Jeremy fight to out who they want to be. Aye, they can decide which one they want to be. Yeah, I think, yeah, I know who I think who's who. Jamie Noble's a man, so that's Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> My God, you're in full heel mode this week. On here, <laughs> on social media, on private messages. What's wrong with you, man? Sometimes you go through these phases. This has been a double turn this week. It um, has. So, as well as those podcasts, please check them out on your podcast app of choice. Rate and review, five stars. We've got the columns on socialsuplex.com. I do a 205 Live column on there every week. 205 Live is really good this week, by the way. Um, if you want the columns and podcasts, notified to you immediately you can subscribe on socialsuplex.com check that out we are at social ah see the plug was going so well then I fucked it up we are at Ricky and Clive on Twitter and Facebook you can also go on to at social suplex for news on everything that drops from us and check out the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group it's been quite a popular debate the last week which we touched on at the start of the show. A lot of stuff going on with New Japan, CM Punk, and just the quality of wrestling in general at the moment. Check it out. Have I missed anything out, Ricky? I don't think so. I think we've covered all podcasts and everyone else. Yep, and ourselves. That wasn't the, worst, wasn't the worst plug I've ever done, but it could have been better. Yep. Obviously, just to let the listeners know that my availability for next week is up in the air. I probably won't be on. Literally up in the air. Yep, I'll be up in the air on Monday. So I'm I unlikely to be on next week, but you never know. So if you want a shot of being on, you have to answer a quiz on the hardcore title, which Ricky will set up for you. The greatest title in the history of professional wrestling. Right, night night guys (laughs) Take care guys Thank you for listening to the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Podcast We'll see you next time